This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by The Fiber Company, distributed by Kelborn Woolens. Find out more at www.kelbornwoolens.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. And thank you for joining me today for episode 50. Yes, 50, as in 50. Can you believe it? I can't. When I started this podcast back in 2008, I thought, eh, I'll try it. I'll do a few episodes. I never expected to make it this far. But I did, and here we are at episode 50. So awesome, really. Thank you to everyone who's followed this podcast from the beginning. Without your support, I probably would have given up a long time ago. And hey, if you don't mind, please do me a favor. If you've been listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast from episode one, please leave a comment under the show notes telling me so. I'd love to know how many of you longtime listeners are out there. Anyways, I have a fun show planned for you today. I have lots of new pattern updates to share with you, and I also have two special guests who will be joining me later. But first, as always, I'd like to announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the drawing post on my blog was entered to win a brand new copy of the Shetland Trader Book 1 provided by Gudrun Johnston, along with seven skeins of gorgeous yarn from Yarn Love. I randomly picked a commenter using the online random number generator, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is... Teresa. Congratulations, Teresa. And please, when you hear this, get in touch with me right away at nevernotknitting at gmail.com so that I can get your shipping information and get this prize mailed on out to you. This is a beautiful prize, and I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you to everyone who entered, and if I didn't call your name this time, don't worry, I always have giveaways, and I'll be announcing a new one at the end of this episode, so you'll have another chance to enter to win. So, since I last recorded, I have been working really, really hard. Most of you already know that I'm getting ready to attend the Stitches West convention, and I'm going to have a booth there, and it's a lot of work trying to get everything prepared and ready. I've worked harder than I can ever remember working before. And I have to tell you, I think I've discovered something about myself, a very unflattering realization. And that's that. I think I might be crazy. And when I say crazy, I mean certifiably insane. Now, that sounds harsh and all, and you're probably listening thinking, no, come on, don't be hard on yourself. But let me ask you this series of questions. Would a sane person in this situation 
put an extremely difficult deadline of pattern design before themselves, or say, would they take on three last-minute sample knits for the stitches booth? Or would they decide that it's a good idea to plan out, record, and edit a podcast the day before they leave for the trade show? I think not. I'm pretty sure that normal people don't put themselves under this amount of stress. I know that I've got to be crazy. I mean, I knew I was a perfectionist, and I knew that I was a control freak, but now I think I'm going to have to add crazy to the list. It's so weird. I have no idea why I do these things to myself. For instance, remember in the last episode where I said that due to time I was going to have to come out with four new patterns instead of five, and that I wasn't going to stress out about it? Yeah, well, I did, and I have that fifth pattern. I have no idea how I designed a pattern that quickly, or the reason why I put so much pressure on myself, but I did it with the help of my graphic designer, who worked really, really fast, and I just ordered the patterns today, and they'll be overnighted to me, so that I'll have them ready for the show. There's just been tons of crazy last-minute work. To help you understand how hard I've been working lately, let me tell you about last year. Last year was a busy year for me, for many reasons. But knitting-wise, I came out with four patterns. Last year, the Cosette Wrap, the Adult Spring Garden Tea, the Shawl Colored Cowl, and Autumn Vines Beret. Yeah, I can't remember anymore, so I'm pretty sure I came out with four. And so far this year, uh, remember that we're in February, February 15th, I've also come out with four patterns. And I have two more, ready to release. So this is about one year's worth of output in six weeks. Totally crazy. So speaking of the patterns, since my last recording, I've released two more of the five patterns that I'd like to tell you about. Both are hat patterns, and the first one, called Seedling, is knit up in a worsted weight yarn and features a stitch motif of little fledgling plants growing up on one side. This hat is not a beret, but I did decide to increase the length a little bit, so it's a little slouchy, but it fits closer to the head than a beret. It's kind of like a slouchy beanie. And to play up the seedling theme, I knit up two samples of the hat, both in vibrant green yarns. The first sample is knit in Becoming Art, Cielo Worsted, and you might recognize that name because I use the Cielo Sport for my Oak Grove mitts and the Autumn Vines Bray. And I like the worsted just as much as I like the Sport. It has a very crisp stitch definition and that makes the leaf pattern really pop out. And of course you know how I feel about the Becoming Art colorways. They're just gorgeous. The second sample I knit up in the Fiber Company Canopy Worsted in the color Conifer. 
And this too is an exceptionally lovely yarn. In fact, I first saw this color when I went to the fiber company booth at TNNA and I was immediately drawn to it. It's just a gorgeous heathered green and I can't stay away from heathered colors. I love when yarn colorways have a lot of depth. So this yarn is really pretty, just like this yellow worsted, but kind of in a different way. It still offers good stitch definition because it's applied yarn, but the fibers are softer in this yarn and it's not as crisp as this yellow. This yellow has more of a tight twist. So instead it offers a lot of drape and warmth, which is very nice. I found both of these yarns to be very well suited to this pattern. So the second pattern I've released just came out a few days ago, and this one is a lightweight beret called Cloudy Day. This pattern features lace and bobble stitches that remind me of the way pavement or water looks when it's raining outside, you know, with the, all the little drops hitting it. And to go along with the Cloudy Day theme, I knit up the hat in classic elite fresco yarn in a colorway that is right between pale blue and gray. And I am seriously into this color lately. It's so soothing and calm and just pretty. Classic Elite Fresco is a yarn that has a 10% Angora content, so it has a really pretty halo effect to it. Kind of fuzzy, but not too fuzzy to the point where you can't see stitches. I think I've mentioned this before, but I love the way that complicated stitches like lace and cables look knit up in an Angora yarn. It's just a really pretty soft effect. To be truthful though, the thing that I don't like about Angora in yarn is the way it makes the yarn kind of limp. It just doesn't have the memory that a wool yarn does. That's the experience that I've had with every Angora blend yarn that I've worked with. It just doesn't feel like it holds its shape very well, like ribbing in a wool yarn is kind of bouncy, but the Angora blend is just different. So that's the part that I don't like, but it still is pretty. So if you'd like to check out either of these two new patterns, you can find all the pictures and more information on my blog. And of course, you know, I'll be linking to them in this episode's show notes. Or if you'd like to, you can actually see them in person at the upcoming Stitches West convention. If you're going this year, please don't forget to stop by my booth and say hi. I'm sharing booth 1136 with Lisa Sanchez, the dyer of the Becoming Art yarn line, and we'll have all sorts of fun things on display. I'll have all my patterns, she'll have all of her yarns, we'll have samples knit up, and I think it'll be really pretty. I am so excited. And included in the display is a very special new pattern. Yes, you heard me right. That's another new pattern for me. And actually, it's two patterns. Kind of like two patterns in one. You'll have to see to know what I'm talking about. But what is really special about it is that the pattern is put together in a very cute and fun sort of way. As a mother of a small child, I always like to include my daughter in my knitting where I can. 
She loves when I knit for her, always asking me to make things. And she looks at my toy pattern knitting books the same way that she does any of her storybooks. She loves it. Sometimes she even comes to my office and asks if she can look at pictures of knitted toys on the computer. So I just type in knitted toys on Ravelry and she just looks through picture after picture after picture and tells me all the ones she wants to make. So anyway, I like to include my daughter. I thought that there might be some of you mothers out there that are listening that like to include your kids in the process as well. So I put together this pattern and I don't want to tell you exactly what it is because I want it to be a surprise for stitches, but it's a pattern that is more than just a pattern. It's a way for you to include your kids in the process. It's fun for you. It's fun for your kids and it's just really cool. So I'll be debuting this at Stitches West. It's two little patterns put into one package. And when I get back, I'll be releasing and talking all about it on the blog so that all of you can see what I'm talking about. I think that all of you will really like it. So besides designing these bajillion new patterns and planning and packing for the trip and organizing and recording the podcast, I've also, like I mentioned before, I've been working on three last-minute samples of my patterns in the Becoming Art Yarns in time for the show. I knit a cloudy day beret, I'm just finishing up a shawl-colored cowl sample, and after that I'm going to be starting a cream and sugar cowl that I'm hoping to get done by Wednesday. And yes, I have no idea how I'm going to do all of this. And that is why I've decided that I am, in fact, crazy. Do you believe me now? So for this week's episode, instead of a knitting story, I have an interview to share with you instead. This time with Courtney Kelly and Kate Gagnon Osborne, the distributors of the Fiber Company yarns and the designers and authors behind the new book, Vintage Modern Knits. I had the pleasure of meeting both Kate and Courtney at the TNNA convention last month, and I even got a sneak peek at their beautiful new book, so I am just thrilled that they have joined me for episode 50. Hi Kate, hi Courtney, how are you guys today? Hi, good, we're good, how are you? Just fine, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today and have the opportunity to ask you guys a few questions about your new book. Great. We're really excited to be on the podcast. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, so first off, I'd like to start out by learning a little bit more about each of you. So I'd like to start with Courtney, if that's okay. Yeah. So Okay. So Courtney, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with knitting? Well, I, I, I think like many people learn to knit as a kid. Uh, My grandma taught me when I was probably about eight and I sort of carried around the same weird garter stitch scarf project for the next 10 years and picked it up again in college. Um, Mm -hmm. I just sort of wanted something, you know, relaxing to do to kind of wind down um, and I I just didn't stop. (laughs) Awesome. And what about you, Kate? How how did you get involved in knitting? 
I have a similar story. My grandmother taught me when I was young. Um, I think I was maybe six or seven, but I didn't really actually do anything worth anything at the time. But I always knew how to knit. And then in college, I studied textiles, so weaving and knitting and printmaking. And then um, really after college, my now husband and I moved to rural Vermont, and it's just very cold in rural Vermont, and there's not much to do. So <laughs> that's when I really, really got into it. Um, and, then, and then a few years later, Courtney and I met. So yeah, that's Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. How did you guys meet? I was managing a yarn store um, in Philadelphia where we both lived at the time, um, and we still live today. <laughs> um, but... Um, I hired Kate to work at the shop part-time. Um, it was the summer of, was it 2007? 2006. Oh, my God. Ah, okay. Wow. So yeah. summer of 2006, um, yeah, I hired Kate to work with me part-time. I was pregnant um, that summer and not very. No, 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 that was after. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, you oh. got pregnant after. Oh. So we worked together a little bit before you were pregnant. A little bit. And so, then I fell apart. Yeah. yeah. So I knew that you had a brain. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my first experience with you, thank goodness. <laughs> she got a little spacey when she got pregnant. That, that happened. Yeah. Par for the course, my friend. Yeah. Par for the course. But I knew, I knew there was a brain deep, deep in there, so it didn't dissuade <laughs> me. Yeah. So we did that, um, and then... When Clyde, my son, was probably just a few months old, um, I sort of found out about this opportunity to um, distribute the fiber company yarns. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think I thought about it for 24 hours mm-hmm. and then called Kate repeatedly on her cell phone until she answered. I think she probably thought that the store had burned to the ground. Um, <laughs> And was like, hey, um, do you want to start a business with me and distribute the fiber company yarns? And she actually hung up on me. I did. I was in school. I was in grad school. And (laughs) I wasn't, I was was sort of in that point of grad school that I think most people go through where they wonder what they're doing, why they're in school, you know, questioning all the decisions they've made. And I was actually in CAD class. I distinctly remember the day. Which is computer-aided design. Yes. Sorry. Got it. Mm -hmm. I was learning, like, web development and graphics. And um, I thought we used to do this thing when we worked at the shop. We would prank call each other Uh. and um, (laughs) ask, pretend to um, ask really ridiculous questions, like, can you teach me a tricolor double-handed Estonian um, braided cast on over the phone step by step, um, <laughs> but pretend to be other people and almost trick each other most of the time. So I thought she was doing that um, right. to me, but it was it was real. It was a real it was a real amazing opportunity. <laughs> um, so it was a good it was a good phone call. That's that's really cool. That's cool. So you guys were already friends at that point. Yeah, and we worked together and kind of known. We um, kind of knew each other's style, um, and I, I think that we, I think we were different, but we worked together really well, um, mm-hmm. and we had been able to sort of develop that style um, 
you know, over the years working together at the shop. So it just sort of really fit really well. And we bring yeah. different things to the table, I think, mm-hmm. which is good. I have a more um, graphics background um, just from being in school, and mm-hmm. Courtney has a little bit more business background. So even though we have a lot of the same um, educational experiences and we did work at the store together, mm-hmm. we'd like to think that we bring um, we both bring different things to the table to make a really good cohesive whole. Um, right. So hopefully, you know, it balances out. It's definitely been a learning experience. Um, I'm sure. We drive each other crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's so good. we love each other very much. Yeah. Too, so it um, all works out. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't think you can you can have it without either of those things. I I agree. I was wondering how you guys made that work because I can just imagine working so closely with someone that it wouldn't be perfect all the time. But that's yeah. great that you guys are able to work together so well. I think ultimately at the end of the day we both have the, the same end goal and the the business, you know, the benefit of the business. So we always realize, you know, even if there's slight discrepancies in feelings. We we know at the end of the really diplomatic. <laughs> at the end of the day, um we you know, we know that. And also I have sort of a reputation around these parts for being somebody who likes to communicate quite a bit. Um for better or for worse. So I make Courtney talk to me about stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Got it. So yeah. what um what specifically drew you guys to the um, fiber company line? What what really um, attracted you to that company and to those yarns? There just isn't anything like it. Um, I remember one of the first times that I sat in on a buying meeting with our fiber company sales rep years ago. And she said, all right, I'm going to show you this yarn. Not very many people buy it. I mean, you definitely want to look at it. It's it's a knitter's yarn. It's it's not going to like necessarily sell like hockey. You know, she was like kept being very like uh-huh. she was like over explaining it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were just so like, you're probably okay. apprehensive. <laughs> like, oh, it's yeah, going to be and terrible. Out, you know, this is years ago when Daphne and Ian, who are the owners of the fiber company, had just started. Mm-hmm. And she pulls up these little mini skeins on rings of the most gorgeous colors mm-hmm. of yarn that you've ever seen in the craziest fiber blends. Right. I think there was one called Eden that was Angora and Tussa Silk and Alpaca and what else was in that yarn? It was the weirdest <laughs> yarn ever. <laughs> and every yarn was like that. Every, I mean, everything was like that and you just thought, I just I just want to have a skein uh-huh. of this. I don't need to do anything with it. I just, like, really desperately need to have That's it. Um, and we definitely got to watch them evolve over the years. Um, the fiber company started to grow, and um, we carried um, a lot of their yarns in the shop um, and did really, really well with mm-hmm. them. I just, it was one of my favorite yarns. It just didn't look like anything else. Everything was so soft. Everything was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... I couldn't have thought of a better yarn to be a part of. That's neat. I, I, you know, just seeing your booth at TNNA 
and seeing all of the yarns and all the colors together, I was like, wow, this is so pretty. <laughs> it really is beautiful. Really nice. We definitely, um, I mean, as as the distributors, we do, we're lucky to be able to make a lot of decisions, Daphne and Ian, you know, we couldn't have asked for better people to have sort of taken over a company from because they're, they give as much advice and guidance as we ask for, but they also really let us do a lot of the development and yarn development. Um, but, you know, we were, for lack of a better word, we were just handed this really amazing company mm-hmm. and Daphne's colors, I think, are like like no other and we were really lucky in that. And to be able to sort of take take that and take it on and continue with that, um, I think we both consider ourselves to be really lucky in that regard. That's very cool. So do you have a favorite with the yarn line? Is there a certain yarn that you just love more than the others? I oh, I really love Tara. Mm-hmm. I think that that is probably my favorite. Although I don't think it's the yarn I end up knitting with the most. You don't knit with it very much. I know. I think it's that thing. At, growing up, you know, I always ate the food that I didn't like the most first, <laughs> and then I would be really full, and I wouldn't be able to eat the food that I actually wanted. I think that's what I do with the yarn. I mean, are you saving Tara for like a really special yeah, I think thing? I'm like, I'm like, oh, I, I really like that one, so I shouldn't use it. We do that. I mean, we do that with colors sometimes. Uh Um, My favorite color is gray. So there's a moratorium on Kate knitting with gray. Got it. But, I mean, I think it sounds kind of cheesy, but we, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to knit with the yarns, and we're always working with the yarns. And whatever yarn, I don't know, I think this applies for you too, Courtney, but whatever yarn I'm working with, I'm like, this yarn's amazing. Oh yeah, no, no. definitely. We've then, definitely been known to text each other very, very late at night <laughs> and say, "Hey, our yarn is off." <laughs> so um, we're, we know how lucky we are in that regard. Um, I think if I had to pick one, what would it be? I think it would be canopy fingering. Okay. For a yarn, because I do, I really like doing a lot of color work, mm-hmm. and I really like fine gauge. I see. Um, but if I was going to knit a sweater for myself, it would be out of tarot. Okay. So why don't, since um, so, some of the people listening may not be familiar with Tara or the canopy, do you want to just tell them what the what the fiber content is and a little bit about a little bit about it? So in case they'd like to try it too. Yeah, the Tara is um, 40% alpaca. 40% merino wool, and 20% silk. And the silk is a raw silk. So it's spun in a single ply, and so the silk creates a slub um, in the yarn, although it's not, I wouldn't classify it as a thick and thin. It's not spun thick and thin. It's it's very um, standard single mm-hmm. ply. But then the way it's dyed, the silk flecks pick up a different color from the base mm-hmm. yarn, um, so it creates sort of a tweed effect, um, which is really stunning um, and really, really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the canopy comes in two weights. There's a worsted and a fingering, but the, they're both um, 50% alpaca, 30% merino wool, and 20% viscose from bamboo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the bamboo doesn't pick up the dye the same way that the alpaca and the merino do. So it um, it has sort of, I don't know, would you call it like a heathered look, some of the colors? Yeah. Yeah. So some look a little softer. Yeah, all the colors soften a bit because the bamboo stays fairly white um, throughout the dye process. So that's got a neat depth to it. I just had the pleasure of working with that yarn. I knit up, um, you know, I I showed you when I was at TNNA, the the seedling hat. Yeah. It was so Mm -hmm. pretty, and that was such a lovely yarn to work with. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the bamboo, um, different from the Terra, the bamboo is a Mm three-ply, so it has a little bit, it's a little bit smoother, Mm -hmm. and it has nice... The canopy. Yeah, the canopy. Yeah, pardon me. Sorry, the canopy, Mm -hmm. yes. It has... um, has a nice stitch definition yes. as a result. It, yeah, it's really pretty. So um, I know that since you guys have taken over the fiber company, you've come out with, like, awesome pattern support and done a lot of things. What is your vision, your your future vision for the company? Do you have um, other things you want to accomplish with the fiber company yarns? More awesome Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, I think just, yeah. Just developing, you know, more yarns. We really like to balance, trying just to always hit the balance between um, being, you know, industry forward, fashion forward, color forward, but also holding on to sort of a classic Mm -hmm. um, look and feel that we try and strive for and just I mean, even in the last two years, so much has happened and so many exciting things have happened. Mm-hmm. So. Well, well, now that you say that, it's funny because that's sort of what you strive to do with your book is kind of keep with the <laughs> keep with the forward, you know, the more contemporary um, twist on something classic. So that's a good segue. <laughs> Why don't we talk about the book? Oh. <laughs> because um, aside from you guys being the owners of or the distributors of the fiber company, you're also both amazing designers. So I loved how in the book you are able to marry the two and have your beautiful yarns with your beautiful designs. So um, why don't we talk about the book a little bit? And first I'd like to ask, what was your motivation behind the book project? Or how um, how did it come about? Maybe that's a better way to phrase that question. We, when part of one of the really great things about the distribution is uh, we go to mm-hmm. the biannual trade shows, TNA, right. where we actually just got to see you, which was very exciting in January. And um, we were approached by Interweave at one of the June shows just to kind of put the bee in our bonnet if it was something we wanted to think about. And obviously, as designers, we we always had thought about maybe doing a book or mm-hmm. thinking about a book or contributing to a book, but um, that really gave us the jump start that we needed, and we figured, hey, you know, let's do it. We might as well try. Um, and we really wanted a book that was unique and that really embodied the idea of the yarns and that also went mm-hmm. with our design aesthetic and what we really yeah. valued in knitting, I think. Um, what what we what we're inspired by, what we're motivated by, what 
we strive to achieve. Um, and that is where the idea sort of actually the title was the very last thing um, <laughs> that came about with much help from many people. But just sort of the idea of combining vintage and modern, combining classic and contemporary and melding um, really traditional techniques and ideas and inspirations with more modern aesthetics and yeah. styles. And that sort of guided the whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, it was it's a beautiful publication, and I've really loved looking through it. And I I love how um, all the patterns are were inspired by something traditional. I think that's really neat. It really goes back to the roots of knitting. So along those lines, what do you were there any techniques that were hard to do that you had to incorporate or that you had to learn? or anything like that? I think the the Roystude technique was sort of new to us, and it was something that Kate came across while doing research into other kinds of color work, um, which we were focusing on um, as a pretty big part of the book. There's a lot of Fair Isle. There's some intarsia. Um, there's mm -hmm. embroidery. Um, and so that just sort of stemmed out of that research. Um, I don't know where you found that, Kate. I think I don't know. <laughs> it was something that I had sort of known about. I think honestly, I must have read about it in a piecework, or you know, it yeah. was something that was always in the back of my mind, but I didn't know very much about and hadn't done. Um, so this, you know, this book mm -hmm. seemed like the perfect opportunity to explore that. I think also um, diving a little bit deeper into bohus knitting. Courtney had done some bohus. Um, um, but just exploring a little bit more of the possibilities with things, um, playing. So can you sh can you share the patterns that these techniques? Sure. Use? The um, the Roystud that we referenced is in a beret called the Yvette Roystud beret, and oh, okay. um, the Bohus is um, a pair of mittens and a hat. Um, okay. And it's called the Baltic, the Baltic Mittens. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so those are both accessories that I designed. Um, just exploring the, those techniques a little further. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I think Courtney. Mm -hmm. I focused a little bit more on specific techniques, and Courtney, I think, not you know across the board, but generally also explored. Um, more general ideas, like I think the Gansey that you designed is a really good example. Yeah, Gansey. It's a very traditional Gansey. It's knit sort of in that traditional, you know, step by, you know, it, it's knit the way that they're supposed to be knit. The traditional <laughs> construction. Yeah, it uh -huh. has a traditional construction. Yeah, point. You start with the welts mm -hmm. and then you work up the body and you do the. There's a gusset for the underarm. Um, but I did want, and it's something that I always wanted to play with and never really had made the time to kind of sit down and really think about. Um, but I personally don't find a drop shoulder sweater to be the most flattering thing for my body type. And so it is something that mm -hmm. I always wanted to investigate a little bit, um, having done a sort of, um, Elizabeth Zimmerman does this, 
set-in sleeve in the round where you sort of work your decreases in such a way that um, you can work the body and the sleeves at the same time. So I kind of incorporated that That's idea awesome. um, mm -hmm. in shaping the yoke of this um, and included some short rows under the arms to sort of pull the sleeves up. Um, but then you also traditionally, as you would with a Gansey, pick up stitches around and knit your sleeves down after having worked that shaping. Um, so it's that kind is. of a neat... There's a couple little twists in there that I hope um, you know, inspire mm -hmm. people to, to just try new things with their knitting because not everything is set in stone. There's still lots of stuff to yes. make up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like that. That's neat. So you, you took like a traditional garment but kind of updated it so that it's more flattering. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you, you also, um, I'm not sure which one of you designed it. Let's see, Kate. Kate also did that very nicely, I thought, with the Aaron cardigan. Oh, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, that, I think, similar to the Gandhi that Courtney designed, the Aaron cardigan is an all-over um, traditional Aaron. Um, mm -hmm. And with that, I... I had a similar motivation. I wanted the idea and the concept of uh, Aaron, but I wanted a more updated shape and fit. So it has set-in sleeves and saddle shoulders and a closer fit mm -hmm. and a little bit lower. It's almost like a scoop neckline. So I wanted something yeah. that was really easily identified as a traditionally inspired piece, but that had a more flattering cut and style to it. Does that have waist yeah, shaping, definitely. Kate, or is it just the, the the profile? I think it has a little waist shaping. It's very easy to modify Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the seed stitch on the side if you wanted to add more. But I wanted to stick with a more traditional shape and just really focus on the the sleeves and the way it fits the body there. It's really cute. That this is like the only Aaron sweater that I could see myself ever making. Thank you. <laughs> that was kind of my, you know, my motivation for that. Because there's so many really amazing, uh -huh. beautiful cable patterns and Aaron's, and not to say they're not gorgeous but they're, out there, but but they're kind of boxy and I don't know. Yeah, I wanted they can be. a little closer fit. Yeah. yeah, it's really cute. Well, just I, this is just a side point, but. I was so disappointed when I read this page on the Aaron Cardigan because I was in love with that myth that the fisherman oh, drowned yeah. at sea and they were identified. And I was so disappointed to learn that that was not true. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it is a very common misconception. And I do think it's, oh. it's a very neat idea. Um, but it is, not, it is not true that that was to identify oh, fishermen at sea. It's just such a cool yeah. story. <laughs> so what, because um, each pattern has, like, I love how you have a little paragraph kind of talking about the tradition behind each piece. So where did you find this research, or where did you go? What um, resource materials did you use to find out all this really cool information? Well, Kate and I both have quite an extensive knitting library um, patterns mm -hmm. from, I mean, very, I have some really old patterns. and uh, um, So those are always very inspirational. Um, I also 
like the Whitby stockings that are in the book, which are um, their knee socks with a sort of striped tire uh-huh. pattern, um, were actually inspired by a painting, um, the name of which and the painter of whom I can't remember at the time. Um, <laughs> but, um, but so I think that, you know, we take inspiration sort of always from, you know, everything around us. Um, but definitely mm-hmm. for the techniques, we did a lot of research um, in books that we have. We did a lot of online research. Um, you can also find a surprising amount of stuff um, at your local library. Um, and then if you mm-hmm. have the, um, if you're lucky enough to be in a larger city, a lot of times universities and museums have um, in their special collections um, both uh, printed material um, and um, knitted items um, that you can request to look at, which is a really fun thing to do. Oh, sounds like it. Yeah. That's neat. So, yeah, it's cool because I love how um, it's obviously like, you know, like we've talked about, all of your designs are based on traditional techniques with a modern twist, but also this history that you get to learn behind knitting as you're looking through the book is really fascinating. I really enjoyed thank it. You. Well, thank you. So let's talk about your projects a little bit more. Do um, do you have a favorite or, or one for each of you that is especially close to your heart or that you really enjoyed learning about or working on? Well, the, like I said, the Gansey was definitely sort of my favorite to knit um, because I just thought it was so neat. Um, but the Bridget jacket is my favorite sweater that I did in the book. Um, it's a... Um, it's not quite a three-quarter. It's more like a half-length sleeve um, crop jacket with three big buttons at the top, and it has two, um, you know, pretty intricate cables, not crazy, but intricate cables that run down either side of the button band. And it was sort of inspired by, I don't know if you remember these, like, Aaron duffel coats that were really in in the 70s, and they were, like, really long, and they would just sort of button at the chest, and they were very, they were big. (laughs) So I kind of wanted to take that idea, but just shrink it and make it sort of cute and fun and make a layering piece that would be really flattering on a lot of people, pretty easy to knit and quick, and it it fit all of those categories really well, and I just, Mm -hmm. I really like to wear it. It's a great little jacket. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cute. What about you, Kate? I think, um... The Roystered hat, the Yvette hat, is definitely one that I really enjoyed the process of. I enjoyed the designing of. I've renewed it for myself, and I do wear it quite a bit. Um, so that's one that definitely I like a lot, and I'm really enjoying. We've gotten quite a bit of response to that one in terms of the technique. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting to see how people are responding. Um, you never know. You think, oh, I'm pluck this very obscure technique and hopefully people like it and people are, which is nice. And also one yeah, um, a project that the the knitting of it and the designing of it actually didn't come as easy, but the Marguerite Lace Shawl um, is mm-hmm. a large fer- sort of Faroese inspired, slightly modified shawl um, knit out of Road to China Light. And that one mm-hmm. um, I really I like the sort of simple, classic um, end result of that one. It's 
definitely one. If I mm-hmm. if I had all the time in the world, I think I'd be knitting one for myself right now. Mm-hmm. Was was that the shawl, Courtney, that you were wearing at TNNA? It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was so pretty. Oh, thank you. I love wearing it. And <laughs> it's quite warm. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And I was I was noticing that on that shawl that um, it talked about uh, shoulder shaping. Mm-hmm. And I, I never worked a shawl like that. I thought that was really interesting. I bet that does lay really nicely yeah. when you're wearing yeah. it. Yeah, you work it a little bit differently. It's from the bottom up, and then you oh, shape the top of the shawl um, with different, uh, differently placed increases at different increments, and um, it sort of creates it's almost like a butterfly wing to it. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so in designing these patterns, do you have any funny stories? Like, did you want to do go with a particular design and it just did not work out or anything like that? Or were you down to the wire on anything? Oh, we were down to the wire a lot. Um, <laughs> I think one, mine uh, in particular, the Telemark leg warmers, which are a pair of Setestal-inspired black and white leg warmers, which I actually really love and I'm really happy with them. My initial goal for those um, was that it was actually going to be a sweater. And oh, mm-hmm. as you can see, <laughs> it's not. They're not. <laughs> They're a leg warmer. They're leg warmers. So um, I didn't just take sleeves and I'd slap some ribbing on them. I did design them <laughs> as leg warmers. But that's one where um, what, you know, what my initial intention didn't quite make it into the execution, but I'm still happy with the end uh, result regardless. Yeah. Yeah. There's always some, there's always something, you know, you sketch and you mm-hmm. swatch and you think, oh, this is going to be really great. And then you start writing the pattern and maybe you cast on oh, no. and then you realize this is just not going to work. Yes. <laughs> that happens to me. Most of the time, it's very <laughs> discouraging. Yeah, and I always think, you know, it was really great working with Interweave because they are so good about stuff like that. Um, I I never wanted to force a design. You know, I think I think right. that people can tell. Um, if something's mm-hmm. not working, you just have to let it go, you know. Yeah, start over. Start over. New idea. Back to the drawing board. So luckily mm-hmm. we had a lot of yarn at our disposal um, so if we did change our minds about color or, you know, project. It was, you, you had the yarn, had right, the yarn there. right there. Yeah. It, was, it was probably uh, yarn acquisitions editor's dream because they didn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's cool. So the other thing I wanted to um, talk about with the book is I love how it's separated into, I believe it's three sections. Yep. Do you want to share a little bit more about that, about the um, the theme of those three sections? Yeah. Um, when we first sat down to um, write up the book proposal, um, we basically, I feel like we, we like broke for the weekend and we're like, okay, do a bunch of swatching and sketching and then like we'll meet up on Monday and we'll try and figure out like what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we just sort of started to break stuff up into color. We, you know, started pulling inspiration images. And it just sort of evolved um, into the three mm-hmm. chapters. And I think they are pretty representative of, you know, our style. 
um, pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like, you know, we like to do a lot of earthy, really wearable stuff. It's also really beautiful, like in Rustic Weekend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, and then Vintage Feminine, I think, is probably the most emblematic of our designs, kind of overall, because um, it just goes really well with a lot of the fiber company yarns. They're very soft, they have very muted, but also, you know, really saturated colors. Um, and then mm-hmm. Winter Harbor, I think, is just a sort of landscape that appeals to both of us. That kind of Scandinavian design element um, is mm-hmm. very present there. Um, and so, you know, yeah. it just sort of, it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, the photos are gorgeous. Do, did you, did the, would somebody at Interweave take the photographs, or do you know the photographer? Well, we had... Um, the the photographs, the models, and the model shots um, were styled and photographed by Interweave in Colorado, and we think they did a really great mm-hmm. job of really embodying the chapter idea and, and making sure mm-hmm. they were sort of three different aesthetics, which was something we worked on when picking colors mm-hmm. and designs. And then all of the landscape photography, um, all of the pictures that do not have Modeled or knitting in them right. were actually taken by my yes. mother-in-law, Lynn Osborne. I I wondered. Yeah. I saw Osborne. Yeah, so, so I didn't, she is a really amazing photographer. She's an architect. Um, so and she travel a lot. And um, so when when it was all kind of happening, we we really wanted to be able to include photographs in the book in that way. And we're very very lucky to have had her on board and be such a willing um, participant because she was really able to provide us with some really beautiful, beautiful pictures, which I think, I mean, we we keep saying the book wouldn't be half of what it is without Mm -hmm. those photographs. Obviously, Interweave did a really amazing, wonderful job, but people are responding Mm -hmm. really well to the landscape photography, so we're really grateful to have those in the book. Really inspiring, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, so I think it goes really well. It's really great. Like this picture on page nine, that is incredible. The of the the leaves. Oh yeah, like yeah. The, the I autumn think that's beautiful. That's insane. I think that was taken in Vermont. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Most of the pictures are either um, in Maine or um, Vermont or actually Ireland. Um, but oh, I believe that photograph is from Vermont. Um, which has really amazing foliage uh, during a fall, yes. and they go there quite often. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, very nice. Well, again, like I said, it's just a beautiful book, oh, so you should be very, much. very proud. Thank you. <laughs> so um, thanks for talking about the book with me. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the future for you guys. What what new things do you have on the horizon? Do you have um, any new designs, design projects planned, or do you have um, anything new and up and coming with your yarns that you'd like to share about? Uh, yeah, well, I actually, um, one of the things I was doing today is actually putting together, um, we're picking some new colors for canopy fingering for um, the fall. Um, we always do try and add new colors um, twice a year to the different lines. Um, and we also have a new yarn 
that we're in the development stages of, which is very exciting. Um, so they cool. should stay tuned for that. Yes. Um, and we are in the midst okay. of our um, new pattern collection for fall is about to get um, really going off the ground and photographed and, and all that sort of started. So we got a lot. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, lots to look forward to. We're always trying to do something. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's this great. Can you know continuing to continuing to do what we've been doing, and you know we're always mm -hmm. open to ideas and suggestions. And if you know there's something people haven't seen from us that they want to see, or you know we're very open okay. um, to new ideas and experiences and projects. So awesome. yeah, well I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. I love I love your designs and I love your yarn, so it's very Thank fun. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to ask you before, but I forgot. But I was I've always wondered how did how did you come up with the name Kelborn and what does that mean? <laughs> well, um, Courtney's last name is Kelly, and mm -hmm. my last name is Osborne. Um, you know, it it is my married name, so I have I'm in that sort of two last name phase of life. My maiden name is Gagnon. Um and when we when we started the distribution, having met in Philly and um being really involved in, you know, textiles in Philly, which has a really rich textile tradition, we wanted a name that evoked sort of the past or the history, but also um our Irish and English heritage. Um, so mm -hmm. we played around a lot with, you know, making up words and geography in Philadelphia, but we also wanted something that if we did end up moving would would still be relevant. So mm -hmm. um, after, you know, we, we combined Kelly and Gagnon for like Kelgag and <laughs> Gagley. Gagley was my favorite. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that no. one, so um, <laughs> then... I was actually yeah. not married at the time, oh. so I took a big risk. Oh, so then we started it. playing with Osborne. <laughs> right. um, and then, so Kelborn is the beginning of Kelly and the ending of Osborne. And okay. um, to give it that, you know, that unique kick, we actually um, did a more traditional English spelling of Osborne, which is where the O-U-R-N-E comes from. And uh, woolens, because we sell yarn. And that's... Uh, Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you ended up marrying I know. Mr. Osborne, because that would have been a little <laughs> awkward. Very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so I was right on the verge. It was, you know, it was not a Got guy it. how I had met the weekend before. We had been. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd be probably a little yeah, freaked out. He, yeah, he would have run. You have how many animals, <laughs> and you do what, and now you want what? <laughs> um, but we've been together for over eight years, so I figured. Oh, my yeah, God. Okay. I figured it was. You figured it was a show. Yeah, yeah, at that point, at that point, so. That's funny. Well, great. Well, I'm so glad that you guys um, joined me today. This has been a lot of fun talking to you and getting to know you two more. You so too. thank you again thank for being part Thank you so much. Thank we're you. This was so, great. So excited, and we were so glad to have finally met you in person at TNA. It was really wonderful. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Great. Well, I hope you have you both have a really good day, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You too. You too. Thanks. So I hope you enjoyed learning a bit more about Kate and Courtney. They're so fun and talented, and 
I seriously suggest that you check out their new book, Vintage Modern Knits. It's beautiful, it's interesting, and I'm sure that you'll enjoy it. Kate and Courtney have contributed two amazing prizes for this episode's giveaway. Seriously, this might be the best prize ever. I know I've said that before, but I think it may be. It's really big and really great, and there are two of them. So this is a drawing that you have got to enter. The grand prize is a copy of the book, Vintage Modern Knits, along with three projects worth of yarn. So six skeins of yarn all together that go along with three accessories from the book. Pretty awesome, right? The second prize is also very cool. The way I would describe it is a fiber company sampler. It's one skein of each of the yarns that they carry, seven skeins altogether. And all of their yarns are seriously amazing, so this is a really, really cool prize. I know that the winner of either of these prizes is going to be so excited and just love these yarns. I've used their yarns a few times now, and I've talked about them on the podcast before, and they are just decadent, decadent yarns. The fibers are amazing, the colors are amazing, they're just seriously a treat. So do not forget to enter this drawing giveaway. As always, I'm going to be posting all the information on my blog within the week. So head on over and enter. Also, Courtney and Kate have provided a special discount code just for the Never Not Knitting listeners to use on one of their patterns off of their website. If you'd like to try one of the Kelborn Woolens patterns, which are awesome, you can use this code to get 15% off of one of their patterns until March 15th using this rather obscure code. So go press pause, get a pen and paper, and get ready to write this code down, okay? All right, you got a pen and paper? Okay, here's the code. C5U67C9N. Yes, I know, that can be kind of hard to remember, but don't worry, I'll put it in the show notes as well in case you forget. So you can use that code until March 15th and get 15% off of one of their patterns. Go check out KelbornWoolens.com and see what they have to offer. All of their patterns are really great. And as a reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found on my blog at NeverNotKnitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as NeverNotKnitting, and you can email me at NeverNotKnitting at gmail.com. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I think that this season has been a lot of fun. I've had a really great time interviewing some of my favorite designers, and I've loved listening to all of the great stories that all of the designers have contributed to the podcast. I will be back for another season on June 1st. Originally, my goal was to make it to 50 episodes and stop, but now that I'm at 50, I'm just not ready to give it up yet. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And if I went away, I I would just miss all of you. So I'm definitely going to do at least 10 more episodes. But 
in June, things will be changing just a little bit. As you all know, Never Not Knitting is now my full-time job, and my work schedule is getting more and more crazy with every passing week. So in June, I've decided that it would be a good idea for me to start podcasting once a month instead of once every two weeks. That way I won't get burnt out and I can do all of the things I need to do and not be completely stressed out most of the time. So, starting June 1st, 2011, I will be podcasting on the first of the month for the following 10 months. But of course, until then, I'll still be posting on my blog and on Ravelry, and I'll look forward to being back at the microphone in June. Until then! She won't even do the dishes The house plants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad Pop ramen again She just won't stop the stitching And the neighbors say it really is quite sad I don't know about her She used to be such a sweet girl But now she doesn't knit Nobody has clean laundry No pants No shirts No underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear. There's yarn in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting. It's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had. <laughs> <laughs>